It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning into Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 14, The Reply Brief. This week, Bob addressed Part 7 of the prosecutor's coverage on the case against Adnan. This week, we learned about the defense file, Adnan's religion, and Alonzo Sellers. I'm joined by Bob and Janet on this holiday episode of the Friday follow-up. We have a lot to discuss, but before we dive in, do we have any housekeeping? I don't think so, other than just which you kind of reminded everybody that we uh, this is the holiday weekend. So for us, there will be no Sunday episode or Friday follow-up next week. We're taking the week off. So we'll be back December 30th for the, our next main episode. So in uh, one week from Sunday, we'll be back. Other than that, I do want to circle back. We promised we were going to try to figure out if anywhere it said that the school called Hayes family to say that her cousins weren't picked up at 3.30. One of our listeners, I think it was, Col- I'll look that up in a second here, but I believe it was Colin, did find. So what we were missing, we, we we saw all the police reports and we saw Young Lee's trial testimony at the second trial. And this listener went back and looked at the first trial. And in the first trial, the one that ended in a mistrial, we did get our answer. Zach, do you want to read the highlighted portions of that? It says, do you know about what time you received a phone call that Hay had not been, had not picked up your cousins? says the answer is around 3 30 and said what if anything happened next then after a while i called my sister's workplace her best friend and i called the school but i was unable to reach her so i mean that's what we know now is is, is around 3 30 yeah and then the last line too because it gave some contact after a while my mom was really worried and asked me to call the police yep so there it was uh and it, it was colin shortland or shortland shortland uh that found that thank you so much colin yeah. And, and yeah, so that gets us some context. So not only, you know, what we're always looking for, as I say, is you're looking for experiences, not times. And, and I think we get a real good picture of what went on there that at three 30, the school called in response to that, the, the family called Hayes friends and they called her work and they were looking for her. And then eventually mom got nervous enough that they called the police, which happened about five o'clock. So that time, the timing there seems to be spot on. So it was probably around three 30 when they got that call. So the conversations we were having about, well, maybe they, you know, she didn't have to pick them up until five o'clock. doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like the Campfield early learning center was on alert by three 30 and calling, calling the house. So it was not normal for, uh, for the cousins not to be picked up by then. Well, there you go. And one other thing that I want to, I want to touch on, and this is just, if any of you 
are interested in this. Uh, one listener had brought to my attention. So the whole conversation we had last week, last couple of weeks about Asia and the second letter where we had mentioned, or I had mentioned that, you know, the, the whole idea of this is beyond silly because everything, all the mail that goes out of the jail is read and reviewed by the jail staff and the prosecution has access to all of that, everything that goes out of there. Listener Emily found a podcast where we get a couple of experts that are talking about exactly this. Those two experts are um, Brett and Alice from the podcast, The Legal Briefs, The Prosecutor's Legal Brief. In their episode 81, which was a recent episode, if you go to around the 31 minute mark, you'll hear Brett and Alice explaining how ridiculous it is to think that any mail that comes out of the jail would not be reviewed by the jail staff and read and that the prosecution wouldn't have access to that. Uh, I believe the words they say is that all mail you send out of the jail, out of any jail, is read and reviewed and given the access to the prosecutors on that. So if you're looking for an expert on that, so you don't have to listen to me saying that that's the case, these two experts, Brett and Alice from the prosecutor's legal briefs, explained it quite well in episode 81 of their podcast at around 31 minute mark. I'm happy to hear some experts weigh in on that. It is good. It that is good. Really good. Yep. Uh, and with that, Zach, what is your, this sarcasm is thick today. <laughs> We're up, get ready to have a little break very, here. We'll feel a little thick. saucy. I'm in a canoe and my oar just snapped as I try to navigate <laughs> through the sarcasm. That's I will say exactly what I told Bob when I came in here. And I said, damn it, that got me again. Because that's 100% how I felt. I, I go into all these episodes truthfully letting them pitch me why Adnan is guilty. And and every episode they get me. And this one is no different. They got me again. They, they come up with this stuff that Adnan's brother, Ali, told us all this stuff that he, that he called Nisha at 3.30. So Adnan had to have called Nisha at 3.30. Yeah. And Ali says that Adnan's a good liar. He clearly is a good liar. He gets away with it. He's persuasive. He's all this stuff. And then he doesn't even have a brother named Ali. That's not even, that's, oh, it got me. Yeah. And, and I do want to be clear. I give these two a real hard time for intentionally misleading people throughout this series. So I do want to make clear in this instance that I do not think that this was intentional. It, as I said in the episode, it was confusing. I mean, a little bit of background research could have helped this out a little bit. Although right now I'm prepping for part 13 for Patreon and they bring this up because the interesting part about their later episodes is they were releasing those after I had already been releasing reply briefs. So they're talking about stuff that I brought up in the reply briefs without mentioning it in their, their later episodes. And they bring, they do in part 13 mention this again, but instead of correcting what it actually was, which is Ali is the law clerk, not mm -hmm. his brother. They say, apparently his brother's name's not Ellie, it's Tanvir, but I guess he goes by Ellie. So, yeah, so no. that's how they corrected it was. He must then go by Ellie. Good as it gets. Okay. Um, They discuss huh. the whole idea that Jay told a lot of people about this, mm -hmm. which I find is interesting because I feel like on the side of the idea that Adnan's not guilty and Jay is making this up is he told all these people different stories. Right. But, but they're kind of leaning on the other side of like, Jay told a lot of people this, all this information is out there. So Jay must be telling, you know, even though he's mixing up facts, he must be telling the truth. Right. But then do they, do they go through, I'm trying to remember from their episode. I remember my episode, because I don't think I really got into that much because I've talked about it so many times. You didn't. Do, do they, did they talk about it in their 
who all of these people were. In this particular episode, they talk about Taib and how Jay asked or Adnan asked Jay for help the day before. But obviously all this comes out later and says he saw the body at a gas station this time. And I'm trying to remember when that whole the Taib to the Taib conversation, I believe, is not even purported to be prior to Jay's arrest. That one was a later one. Okay. I made a note about the Dion note because they talked about that a little bit. So I had to look that up again when you brought it up before mm-hmm. the show started. And it's just all it is. The Dion note is a note that Adnan's attorney was writing where it says, uh, the note says it's completely out of, it's just, there's no context to it. It's literally his handwritten notes. It says Dion Taylor, same car as Adnan, two door accord. Adnan has four doors basketball game that day. Dion saw him and commented Adnan's car was making a funny noise. Hooling wire loose fix one to two weeks after what, what does that suggest? Well, the, the guilty camp tries to, and, and but, from this article, or not article, this is actually a Reddit post where somebody I found where, where the note was listed out. You, you get a lot of context here because the, the, okay. the poster here is explaining how like this note, like you heard it. There's no context to it. The guilty argument becomes that Adnan was lying to his attorney saying because it, it went on further and it says this happened at 3.30 p.m. in front of school front entrance to gym. That Adnan was lying to his attorney saying that this is a thing that happened on that day, so he must be guilty. Yeah, I, I, I don't, no one knows what it actually, I, you heard, it's just notes. But the person points out here in this post that in Just Wondering If, which is the, the Reddit handle, they said they, like, once again, this, in their timeline, they're inserting their own bias and what, and their own, their own speculation and putting it in their big long timeline as fact. Well, it just so happens that just wondering if's timeline is the one Brett and Alice were using for their whole, like that's what they have linked to on their site. The one that they're reading verbatim down there. So some of that stuff like this, where they come out and like, and they, they told, you know, there's the, the Dion note where Adnan's trying to create this thing. They literally just read that off of this person's Reddit post, but it's, it's, it's not from what I, like, I can't make anything out of that. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's something that if he's looking to try to find an alibi, there's nowhere that that says like on this date in like yeah, on nothing. the date of Hayes' disappearance. I, there's nothing to put it into that context. Oh, I think what they're trying to say is that this was Adnan trying to create an alibi for himself that we know is provably false because he didn't have the car that day. But they're trying to make it make it sound like it was an alibi. Like, look, he saw me with this car. Yeah, and that's what this whole like post is about. Is that that person that created that timeline that they used as their script. They created this timeline a long time ago, by the way, that this timeline that the prosecutors used as their their script, that they wrote that is exactly what you just said. But when you read the actual note, it's nonsense. It's it's just a random nonsense note in the middle of of floor, his attorneys, you know, trying to figure things out at the beginning. Like There's no way anybody can, can say what that means. Hmm. You know, so anyway, that was the Dion note. I thought because you brought it up, and then I remember, like, oh, I remember hearing the episode, but I didn't really address it because it's yeah. not even something that like the state tried. I just found it interesting that they brought it up. Mm-hmm. A big point that you touched on that that I'm still iffy on is the idea that Adnan lied on serial. They bring it up pretty heavily that Adnan lied on serial. He lied to us, saying that he had never he had never hung out with Hay after school because she had to get her cousins, which we know that they had met to have intercourse after school. Yeah. I don't know the audio clip. I don't know it verbatim. I, they, I believe that they say that he says 
that she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't go to Burger King. She wouldn't go to 7-Eleven. She wouldn't, you know, I mean, she wouldn't do any of this. They all, they added all that. So none of that's in there. Uh, what I thought I remembered him saying was, with respect specifically to, and again, it's been a minute since I listened, and by a minute, I mean years, but I feel like there, be, when being questioned about why the police would have a note in their records saying that Adnan said he wouldn't have asked for a ride or saying that he would have asked for a ride or whatever, that he was like, I wouldn't have asked her for a ride in the same way that he said that. And it could have meant that if, if they were like, did you ask her for a ride home? And they would be like, well, I wouldn't have asked her for a ride because she always has to pick up her cousin. Not I wouldn't have asked her for a ride around the school on her way to pick up her. And, and that's a, and I brought this up in other episodes. It's like there, there I think the, a huge confusion with the ride situation is from uh, again, forget Adnan. Adnan could be the biggest liar in the world. Doesn't matter. Adnan could. He's the person accused or he's not the person we're going to for information. Let's go to Debbie Warren's statement to the police. Adnan got a ride from the front to the back of school from her almost every day is what she said. Literally, quote, almost every day is when he would get a ride from her. And, and so but then when people are talking about asking her for a ride, like I think I think I think there's a, a thought of the ask for a ride is like to get a ride home as opposed to a ride around the school. as Those are two very, very different things. You know, the, so I think that's that's part of it. But what was said on Serial, and, and I'm paraphrasing because I, I was just reading the transcript and I listened to it when I made this episode originally. Essentially, another thing you have to realize is there are probably 100 hours of conversation between Sarah and Adnan. And this little clip we hear is she's saying, well, they're saying you asked her that, that you wanted her to give you a ride. And, and his response is. No, that's not right. I wouldn't ask for a ride. She had to pick up her cousin after school. She wouldn't, she, t she would not give somebody a ride. She has to pick her cousin up after school. So that was where that little blurb came from. It's on serial. Okay. And then they take the note in the defense file where it says that sometimes after school, before picking up her cousin, they would sneak away and go and go have sex at the Best Buy parking lot. They made it seem as though he said, no, I would never go to the Best Buy with her mm -hmm. and have sex because she had to pick up her cousin. It was in the context of Sarah just saying, yeah. What? No, that's, no. Yeah, that absolutely was not no. the same. No, and, there, and there's a world where it's somewhat fair to say, well, if he said that he wouldn't ask her for a ride because she wouldn't give anybody a ride because she had to pick up her cousin, but he did on some occasions go sneak off to Best Buy and have sex with her before she picked up her cousin, there's, you know, that, that, that it's dishonest, mm -hmm. right? You know, him responding that way. And, and like, I think I said in this episode too, like, again, it doesn't matter. I know I said in this episode because the bigger point to me is because what pissed me off about the first time I heard this episode is that they explain when they're explaining this, he lied to you. Mm -hmm. You all were convinced by his charm that he's innocent. And he's and that's what pissed me off is yeah. like, don't like you are. It's so infuriatingly insulting to suggest that anyone who thinks Adnan is innocent, it's because we were charmed by him in the seven minutes of his voice we heard on serial throughout the entire series has nothing to, has nothing to do with it. Like I said, I don't care. And this is not an add on thing. I've said this about every case. I don't care if the person is a liar. I don't care if they're a cheater. I don't care if they're a drug addict. I don't care if they're a thief. Is there evidence they killed the person you're saying they killed? That's what matters to me. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, yeah, there's an argument that it was dishonest when he told Sarah that, but you also have to remember, we don't have the full context of that conversation. All we hear is pop into the middle of a conversation where it's like, well, they're saying you asked her for a ride. And he's like, no, I wouldn't ask her for a ride. She had to pick up her cousin. You know, we don't know the rest of the context from it. Ultimately, it doesn't really make a bit of difference to me as far as how the case goes. 
the way they presented it, I didn't care for at all because they presented it. And it sounds like the way you took it is that he said, I would never go to the Best Buy and have sex with her because she had to pick up her cousin. And that's not what he said. Yeah. And, and I and they allude to it in the episode. Again, I don't know what is said on serial. I, I haven't listened to it. But they did mention like that. It sounded like that he had mentioned that she wouldn't take anybody to, like I said, multiple other places. I don't know if that was actually said or if they made that up. No, that was them going. He said, you know, she wouldn't give anybody a ride of school. She had, you know, whatever he said, something like that, because she had to pick up her cousin and she had to do that every day. You know, So she didn't have time to do any of that. And so then that was, I can almost hear Brett saying it. I don't remember if it was Brett or Al's going like, so she, w- so she wouldn't give anybody a ride. She wouldn't go to Best Buy. She wouldn't go to Burger King. She wouldn't go to seven. That was just yeah. them kind of expanding. Okay. But, but yeah, like that's the whole thing is the way they present it. It makes you feel like kind of like they did was the hate, the Hayes diary episode. Yeah. They say all this stuff and the way they present it, they're not saying quote, right. Mm-hmm. But the way they present it, you feel like they're reading directly from it. Right. And when that's not the case. Okay. Um, I'm sure we'll get back into this, but just as my notes, um, the Alonzo Seller stuff is really interesting to me. It's kind of crazy. Um, the whole idea of him, you know, they they push it on to the fact that he was cleared, so they just kind of move on from him. Mm-hmm. One of the, the parts that I think we discuss is they say he's cleared because his time card shows that he got off at work at four o'clock. And they seem to accept that pretty easily in the episode, but literally in the, I mean, they're talking about him finding the body on the clock, which right. is something I caught regardless of how you feel. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I don't understand how you can clear somebody by saying, oh, their time card is punched in and they were here till four o'clock, but we know for a fact that he found the body on the clock, on the clock, yeah. which means he wasn't at work. So that was a big thing for me. The other thing that I can get into really quick is... They did a good job, and I and I truly believe this too. When they were talking about his his indecent exposures and streaking, and they said that that typically doesn't escalate, which I feel like that was true. That that doesn't seem like a, a crime that would escalate past anything more than that. You know, it doesn't become a physical violence. It doesn't become anything like that. And then in your episode, that they say that you say that he had an incident where he he did it did escalate with a yeah. woman in a car. So is that? them just not researching well enough is that them being completely biased and not giving us that information it's kind of par for the course in the whole thing because again it's interesting that right now when i'm working on their part 13 for patreon that they're circling back to some of the stuff because again they're hearing when they made their 13 they were hearing me talk about this stuff already and so now they address it but they're like oh whatever a little misdemeanor thing but yeah you can tell they've pulled his criminal record right mm-hmm. when they're making this episode where they're, they're going on and on about how streaking doesn't escalate. Well, that may be statistically true, but it, right in front of them on that piece of paper, it shows that in his case, it did escalate. I've had it in the last couple of weeks. I've thought a lot about sellers after my conversation with Robbie on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. And I still personally, I'm in the camp. I think it's super weird. I think there's something more to him finding the body, but I, I personally based on the information I have in front of me, I don't see him as a viable suspect in the murder. That being said, there's stuff in the case file that we have not seen, uh, which is part of the reason why the conviction was overturned. So I don't, there could be more to it, but I don't think he's a suspect. I just have such a hard time with him. Like, I understand that you cannot put your thoughts and what you would do into a situation, but the idea that he is driving back to work, which is a short drive, has to stop to pee on this short drive, parks his vehicle goes across the street, has to cross the street into the woods to to urinate, doesn't go off to the same side as the vehicle, and goes 120 feet into the woods to urinate. 
just every bit of that in my head doesn't make sense. I agree. Sellers has always been this weird thing for me because I don't believe he found the body the way he says he found the body. I don't see, like I said, I don't see anything that, that necessarily makes him a suspect to me, but this whole, to quote Colleen Barnett, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't <laughs> make sense. It doesn't make sense. Sorry. I love all of my relatives <laughs> who live in Texas. So please know that that is an accent coming with love, just not towards that particular person. Today's episode is sponsored by Dose. Most of you know that I go to the gym first thing every morning. Well, a few weeks ago, I started taking a shot of Dose right before I go, and I got to tell you, I'm feeling great. I can't even put my finger on it. I just feel good. Dose has become a part of my daily morning ritual, and it's here to stay for me. Like I said, I'm feeling great, and I love the taste of it. It tastes kind of like a tart orange juice. It's delicious. So let me tell you what makes Dose unique. Unlike other wellness shots, Dose does not contain standard juices or powders. Dose is formulated with organic herbs, it's vegan, gluten, and dairy-free, and zero sugar. Dose organic wellness shots combine potent ingredients in clinically researched dosages to functionally support a healthier body every day. With Dose, each ingredient is potent and delivers results. For example, one shot of Dose for your liver is equivalent to 17 shots of turmeric juice. And Dose has a clinical study illustrating how well the product performs. In a double-blind, placebo-controlled clinical trial, Dose for Your Liver was shown to support healthy liver enzyme function when taken daily. While many other brands may talk about individual ingredients in their products being clinically studied, what sets Dose apart is that their formula has also undergone clinical testing. And your liver is really important. Think of it as your body's filter. It's in charge of flushing out unwanted elements and breaking down what you consume into essential nutrients. The liver is responsible for over 500 functions daily. Liver health can impact everything from your brain to your skin, gut health, digestion, and everything in between. Dose for Your Liver is formulated with ingredients clinically shown to support liver health. Potent turmeric, milk thistle, dandelion, and ginger. So if you want to give Dose a shot and invest in your health, Dose is offering Truth and Justice listeners 15% off your first order, plus an additional 15% off if you subscribe for a monthly delivery. That's 30% off your first order. Go to dosedaily.co slash truth and use code truth. That's dosedaily.co slash truth and use code truth. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
questions because there's plenty to discuss there. So Shannon, we just talked about this, but Shannon did ask if we had more information about uh, assaulting a woman in her car. It's the same question that, that we're just asking, like how much information do we have about the circumstances about that? And I'm sure the implication or at least the, the speculation is like, is there something to that because we know Hay to have been in a car on her way potentially to pick up her, her cousin? There was a time when I looked into the assault of someone in a car for the details of it. I don't right now on the top of my head, they should. I don't remember those details. He didn't murder anybody in a car or anything, but he he like got into somebody's car. We're going to be getting into this in part 13, so I won't get too much into it now. But there are so many problems to me with Alonzo Sellers or anybody just happening across hay and abducting her in her car as a single person, you know, as one one person doing this because you have her car to deal with, right? And unless the place she went after school was to the place where her car was found, which I don't think was true. I don't think that's the case. It's just, there, there's all the, like, why bury the body if you don't have a known connection to there? Like, it doesn't fit behaviorally to me. You got to deal with the car, so you have to involve somebody else. That's a, that's a different story with someone with a known personal relationship that's like, I you know, I'm in big trouble here. I need help. Because the thing is, in Adnan's story, he didn't need another person, right? Like, like he could have left her car right where it was and, and or just taken her car and dumped it and, you know, gotten a ride after it was all over with. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, you know, we, we get the story because of Jay, but there are there are circumstances where someone could need help to bring in somebody else. But I don't see someone like Alonzo Sellers abducting a girl, murdering her in her car, and then involving someone else to start moving cars around and doing all this stuff. There's no reason for them to hide the body if they're not connected. I, I, I don't know. I just have a lot of issues. I, I, I've tried six ways to Sunday to wrap my brain around him as a suspect. I acknowledge he could. I, I have no idea who did this. So it's certainly possible. I don't know everything's in the case file, but I just can't see it right now. And I feel like, unless I'm just completely making this up out of whole cloth, I think I feel like I have a memory of Colin and Susan and Rabia speculating that possibly he just he did just yeah. hear something from someone and heard enough information that he kind of felt like he knew where to look or had a sort of a morbid curiosity or just, you know, was asked to go there. I don't know. Like I feel like there's a lot we yeah. don't know. I mean, there is. There's just so much we don't know surrounding him that if you start to try to come up with a theory, you realize how many different ways it could be that he would end up going to that place for that purpose. Kind yeah, of. Yeah. And, and for those of you that watch the Instagram live, you know, Robbie was kicking around an idea of perhaps that he was, you know, given some of his proclivities was maybe spending some time with the body, like maybe the body wasn't even buried when he came across it and then made multiple return trips back and was spending time with the body and then he buried the body and i don't know that i mean that that's a lot of a lot of speculation but that's another idea that's that robbie was kicking around yeah i mean i i remember that from that conversation i guess i don't know enough about any other crime that he committed that would suggest that he would want to quote unquote spend time with a corpse i wanting to show your wiener in public does not, to me, in any way translate to I want to spend some. That's not a proclivity that I would. So if there's maybe there's something more that I don't know, but that feels like a huge leap to me. I, I think she said she had been working with some kind of behavioral analysis or a behavioral analyst that had suggested that that's, you know, that that's not that those two behaviors could be connected. I don't know that. I Yeah. OK. I mean, I, rem I definitely remember Rabia was not saying I right. came up with this idea. I know that. I'm just saying for that third party. 
I would want yeah. a lot more information to kind of understand how those things connect. Because that seems like an even bigger stretch to me than assaulting mm-hmm. a person because you have anger issues or, you know, wh- whatever you're going through. Um, Daniel had a, a, a very similar reaction to you, Zach, just not really being able to understand how you would need to take yourself that deep into the woods for that exact reason. I would say whether or not he has, you know, enjoys streaking. Just a lot of people kind of struggle with why, why there, why then to relieve yourself. Jesse says uh, in the same line as what we were talking about, just Jesse sort of puzzling through the differences, as you pointed out in the episode, the differences in the questions in uh, the polygraphs that Sellers was given, trying to figure out what the impetus was for the different types of questions. Like, is there something the police knew that we don't know that would cause them to ask the types of questions that they did in the beginning and then the choices they made for the change in the questions for the second round is another huge puzzle in this case. Yeah, and all we can do is speculate on that. I mean, it it seems to me, I I personally think at this point, clearing sellers was checking a box. They were, by this point, by the 24th, they were all in on Adnan at this point. There's no question. They had, they had, Right. Pulled his cell records. They had. They were pulling the records. They were. They were. They were getting the names of the people attached to those records. They had the cell site locations. They were going after Adnan at this point. I've always thought the way they were these questions, like, well, let's just get him through, pass a polygraph, so we can say we cleared him, and then we we'll move on because we're at this point. And again, not in the official record, but I think is very clear in the record that we have. They were already talking to Jay at this point. I think this is more indication, if I'm right about about them just wanting to clear sellers, that they were already talking to Jay at this point. I think they already knew they were going to close this case because they already had somebody on the hook that was willing to say that they helped bury the body. And so because of that, they were just checking off the boxes because they are the, the questions are, you know, the, the way they're worded all because the, they, they just ask, you know, do you know if she was run over by a car? Do you know if she was killed with a baseball bat? Do you know? They never say, do you know if she was strangled? They do say, do you know if she was choked, which is close, but it just seems like to me, it just seems like they were crafted in a way that he could answer them. It, it reminded me when I read through it of years ago, when I was applying for fire departments, one of the things you have to, you have to do, there, there's a big psychological screening, there's physical agility screenings. And then a lot of them do, a lot of the places will do a polygraph or a voice stress analysis, but a lie detector test, quote unquote, one way or another. And I remember sitting and they do like a pre-interview and I remember mine, I was, we were just talking about in the pregame show that, uh, I was a bit of a goody two shoes when I was younger. And, uh, one of the questions was, have you ever taken any illegal drugs? And I, and I was like, well, here's the thing. Like my mother-in-law gave me one time I had a toothache and she gave me some of her prescription ibuprofen that was not prescribed to me. Oh, and my. I, I don't know. And then the, the examiner's like, okay, all right, well, we can get around that. So what if I ask you, he changed the way, he, I think he ended up asking, he's like, other than what we talked about, have you ever done any right. illegal drug? Did he also tousle your hair and give you a lollipop when you were done? Don't, that's the cutest. Don't think cutest I didn't feel like, like a real, like, I'm glad oh. I can answer no to this because I can get the job. But also this is embarrassing that this is the thing that is sticking out to me. <laughs> But it almost seems something like that, where it's like, all right, well, how can we ask these questions where you can answer them? Now, do I think that the police are like, oh, we have evidence. We know that Alonzo Sellers is our guy, but we're already framing this other guy. No, no, I think I think of they're like, not. we know we can close yeah. this case. This guy's just kind of in the way. And what what reinforced that notion to me is when the information came out 
uh, when Adnan's conviction was vacated, and we found out they, in fact, did have other solid leads about Alonzo Sellers that they hid from the defense. So they were actively trying to hide anything that made it look like Alonzo Sellers would be a suspect, which then, if you take that, couple that with the odd questions in the polygraph uh, and the big change in the questions, it just seems like that was a way to check off that box. We did a polygraph. We cleared him. Do we know what any of those leads are or do we just know that there was leads? So the the problem is that it was, everything was redacted, right? So they said there was two suspects. One of them, they had a note that said that this person had said that literally said they were going to kill Hay, but through context, the internet kind of figured out those two suspects were sellers and Mm -hmm. Bilal, who we've heard talked a little bit on the podcast, which was the guy from Adnan's, uh, from the, from the mosque. And then one of them had a family member that lived where the car was. We know that was if Alonzo, Alonzo Seller, I think I mentioned the episode, his brother's wife lived there in that neighborhood, right where the, right where the car was found. And they said, you know, one of them had means, motive and opportunity. So we did, but everything's like redacted. It was like the judge saw it. We didn't see it. So it's hard to know what that was, but it was enough that the judge agreed to overturn the conviction based on it, which means the judge found it to be exculpatory and material, which means it would have had an effect on the trial had the defense seen it. So there's meat there. There's something there. By the time we're at this particular reply brief, we have not gotten, you You just mentioned Bilal. We dig deeper into that. Like if you're a Patreon member, you just heard more. A, a, a little bit. I don't right, get into him Bilal? too much because there's really nothing yeah. there. Like Bilal's connection to the case is Bilal is the one that helped Adnan get the phone. I believe Adnan bought the phone and Bilal put it on his account so that his parents wouldn't know that he had it. Uh, and Bilal was later uh, found to have been molesting children. At he was a dentist. He was like sedating them and molesting children. He's a bad guy for for sure. But there's and, until the information came out in the um, when the conviction was vacated, we didn't. You know, there was no reason to suspect Bilal. But when the conviction was vacated, like I said, we don't like we don't know who was who and who they're talking about. Who had means, motive, opportunity. And they said, you know, the other one had motive. I don't know what those things are, but I don't I don't have any more to really dig into Bilal. I feel like the most information I remember getting in this case about Bilal is in Rabia and Adnan's book. I feel like they dig into it pretty deeply because there is definitely question around those deeds, what he was being held responsible for, why he wasn't brought to testify and how he disappeared. Yeah. And if I remember that story correctly, what it was is. Bilal was going to testify because he was at the mosque that night and he was going to testify that Adnan was there, that he had a convert, whatever it was. And then he had gotten caught. If memory serves, it was something like he got caught like in a van with a young boy or something. It was a pretty terrible situation. He had very serious charges. And then all of a sudden he the charges were dropped. He disappeared, left the country and didn't testify. And so I think the the allegation there was something along the lines of basically the the state put pressure on him saying, and, and this is all allegedly, it's just speculation, I think. I don't know how much, there maybe there's more evidence to it. Nothing that I know of, but that there was, you know, that they were, you know, we'll let you off on this and let this poor boy not get any justice for what you did to him if you go away and don't testify. Yeah, I mean, even if none of what just happened within a year's time or whatever for for Adnan and the conviction, like, it remains so disingenuous for people to be like, this is really a very simple case. It's just all right there. Come on. It's so clear, Adnan did. It's like, there are so many twists and turns 
There is a reason, and it's not because Adnan is charming. There is a reason that so many people chomped down on this and were like, oh my god, there's so much here. Because just the Sellers and Bilal stuff, completely outside of what happened with the vacation of his conviction, yeah. is very strange. It seems to me uniquely strange that all of this is tied up in this case and poor Hay, you know? Yeah. And that's getting into like alternate suspects. When you get into just like the evidence against Adnan, it drives me crazy when people are like, oh, this is so simple. He's obviously guilty. I'm like, are you kidding me? There is so much to this. Like, it's amazing to me that they will laugh and joke and talk about how crazy conspiracy theory anyone is who thinks that a black man who deals drugs would create a false testimony for two cops who have been caught in this exact situation doing exactly that thing that's insane to think that's the case that's conspiratorial what about becky wrong day inez wrong day debbie wrong day the guidance counselor's office note must have got it earlier that day track coach wrong day wrong time asia there's two asia wrong day right how many things do you have to believe like like you want a conspiracy how many who you know the nisha call can't be a butt dial had even though you can you can prove without question with just as i said cell records and map quest it's impossible for that to have been the two of them together guilty or innocent it's impossible but uh, no butt dials don't happen that's that's wrong and and oh by the way your star witness got every single detail absolutely wrong and tried eight different times to tell a story that matched not one single time came up with a story that's possible that's fine and then they believe all that and then think, if you think these cops did exactly what they've done and been caught doing on three other occasions, you're the crazy one. Yeah. Nice little soapbox. Sorry. Everything you just said is true. Like, the simplicity is in the fact that there's zero suggesting that he did it. The complexity and the thing that sucks everyone in is all of the stuff around that mm-hmm. that is strange, underexplored, misrepresented. You know, that's where all of the stuff comes unglued and you're like oh god i have to solve this puzzle because this doesn't make any sense and the reason it doesn't make sense is because it doesn't make sense exactly so there are definitely people wondering again because we've just touched on it and and because it's been kind of in the zeitgeist if we know if bilal or sellers dna was ever tested again you know was 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 anything we have run against those two people i don't believe so no no, I don't think we have either DNA, and I don't think it was run. No, none of the alternate suspects that have come up, Bilal, Sellers, Don, any of those people, none of their none of their DNA has been compared to anything. Okay. Joni is just still feeling really confused about the Ali memo and how he would know the things in the memo. And if the defense didn't have the state file, how would they know about the cell records in the Nisha call? So Joni's just feeling some confusion around, like, timeline and that memo and where all of that information would be pulled from that Ali would then be kind of summarizing it. Yeah. So one thing I saw in that question, they said that how would the defense know about the call log? They were fighting to get the defense files or the prosecution files. That's not true. They The, the state turned over that stuff in discovery. What they wouldn't turn over was who the informant was or Jay's statement. I think it was in around August. They finally told them, OK, it's Jay Wilde. That's when this memo is written, right? So at this point, they have the cell phone records. They've been trying to analyze the cell phone records. They've been doing their own investigation. 
They have the police notes from them interviewing Nisha. They have they have all that stuff. And, and, and at this point, they also know that Jay is the co-conspirator. What they don't have is Jay's statement. So that so like they have this pile of data, but they don't know what it all means. And they don't know what the state is alleging happened. Like they know they're saying that Adnan killed Hay. They don't know when he supposedly did it. They don't know where he supposedly did it. They don't know anything about moving the car, about burying the body. Like they, they, they just have these like all these basic details. So just understand that. So they had, they had a lot of information they were working with. They, they most certainly remember when the police had gone to, I believe when the police went to talk to Nisha, I think the, the defense investigator had already been there or went there afterward uh, because they got the cell phone record. So they're trying to go down. They, they know from the arrest warrant that the cell phone records were the basis for them closing this case. So the, the defense at the same time is trying to go through the cell phone records and figure out what that could mean. I hope that answers that part of it. So that's strange to me. As you said, I just, I think about this in real time. You say the defense had the cell phone records and they're going through the cell phone records, but they don't know that the, that the co-conspirator is Jay Wiles and they don't know what his statement is. And I get that they don't know what his statement is, but I, I feel like Adnan would have stepped up at some point And during that time period and said, well, Jay had my car, Jay had my phone. I don't know if he realized it at that point. Okay. You know what I mean? So remember it's six weeks, well, six weeks, 28 days when Hayes' body was found, six weeks when Adnan was arrested. I don't know if he had pieced those things together or I've, I have no idea. But by the point in time of this memo, they did know it was Jay. And so at that point, I think he said that like Jay had my phone. Card. And, and now that I, as I'm, I'm thinking about this in real time, I think he probably, I think that probably did come up about Jay because they're like, I'm sure when they're going through the call records, they're like, there's this call to this Jen Pusateri. There's this call to this guy named Patrick. I'm sure that it did come up that Jay had the car at that point, but they don't know that Jay is the one claiming that he killed. Hey, you know what I mean? So this, so it's, it's another one of those data points they have, but they don't know the significance of it. You know? So, for, so imagine for, for all they know. So Jay and Adnan are, are, are friends, acquaintances, whatever you want to call them. This is what I think a lot of people struggle doing is trying to put themselves in the mindset of the thing they disagree with, right? So from the guilty camp, like they, they, they can't think what would this be like if Adnan is innocent, right? And so what I look at is if he's innocent, would he suspect that Jay is saying that he murdered? Because all they know it's co-conspirator. They don't know that this person says they just helped bury the body. They don't know any of that. They just know there's a co-conspirator. Someone is saying they murdered Hay with you. And if you're like, well, I was, I was with Jay at that time, you know, Jay had my phone. We did this. He did, he's kind of, they're kind of tracking, tracking their time for what they did. I don't think that he would jump to, well, must be Jay saying that he killed. My guess is, and it's nothing but a guess that he's thinking again in this world, Adnan's innocent. My guess would be, he's thinking some other person is saying that he murdered Hay with me. They also don't know. Do they think they happened right for school? Do they think it happened later that night after he wasn't with Jay? I assume they probably figured it happened later that night. I, I don't know. But getting back to the original question, as far as Ali saying that, you know, their comment is that that Adnan's liar. I, I don't know. That could have come from talking to his brother, talking to his parents, talking to friends. I, I have no idea where that came from. Like I said, his brother could have said something along those lines or said something to lead Ali to think that. I don't know. And again, like, as I said in the episode, we don't have to wonder if Adnan's a good liar. He was a good liar. He he lived he lived as many people do at that age in those circumstances. Kind of lived a double life. He was the mosque going good student, good guy, the way that his parents would want him to be a good guy in 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 that world. 
but he's running around smoking weed and having sex in the Best Buy parking lot in, in his other world. So, you know, he was a good liar. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rosalind and Dory, we're running a little low on time, so I'm, I'm going to try to do a little bit of summarizing here. But just, you know, questions around the sort of red fibers thing, which was kind of not super explored that I can remember in Serial or just in that there's in the context of Jay, obviously, we hear about these red gloves and then that sort of goes away. And then, you know, there's the red fiber stuff, whether or not it seems to match with anything. People are just still feeling kind of confused about, you know, what are those red fibers? And did we it sounds like no one ever figured it out. And is it does that mean that it's definitively not those gloves, et cetera? There are no gloves. <laughs> there's no glo- like I mean, this the state's theory, the, the state's argument would be, well, he must have thrown those away. But they never found a pair of red gloves that Adnan known. They've never seen a picture of Adnan wearing red gloves. They'd never have a testimony of anybody but Jay saying they've ever seen Adnan wearing a so pair of red gloves. I thought I heard something at some point that that Adnan had said he had red gloves or something. No, what Adnan said was when he went when they arrested him and they took him in for his interview, he said the cops kept saying to him, "We know about the red gloves. We know about the red gloves." And so he had relayed that back to his attorneys. Like they kept talking about these red gloves. And I think what one of the attorney's notes are like, well, how did Adnan know about the red gloves? And then he, his answer is in there. It's like, they kept saying to me, we know about the red gloves. That okay. that's how that was Adnan's connection to red gloves. There's, there's no evidence at all. It doesn't mean it's not, you know, absence of evidence is an evidence of absence, but there is no evidence that Adnan has ever in his life owned a pair of red gloves that, so that came, well, if you're in the conspiracy theory camp, right, that the police fed this story to Jay, it would go something like this. We have no evidence. We have red fibers in the grave. So, Jay, you need to tell me what was Adnan wearing that was red that could have left those fibers in the grave. From my understanding, when they compared them, the two red fibers didn't even match each other. Like, they didn't come off the mm. same thing. I believe that's true. But, yeah, so it, it would be it would be something like that. Essentially, they would lead them, to, you know, lead them to Jay coming up with something to fit red fibers, and he came up with red gloves. And in, in, in the weirdest way ever, in the 55-degree day, at when Adnan's walking all the way across the parking lot after murdering Hay and going and making the phone call, he's walking back across the parking lot wearing his red winter gloves. And that's when Jay says he sees the red gloves. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's interesting, too, because, I mean, again, who knows? But there's a lot of ifs in what I'm about to say. But if the, if the police did say that and if they were trying to intimidate Adnan and if they actually thought they were you know, scaring him legitimately because they genuinely at that time believed all of the stuff that Jay was saying, whether or not it was made up for their benefit or not. I don't know. It's just interesting. Like that suggests if, 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 you know, that went down the way that we've heard that it did with with what they said to Adnan, that they believed that there were red gloves. Like at that time, they really were like, oh, thank God we have Jay. Like he's the one who told us about those red gloves. Yeah. So it's context clues like that or why that's how I think the interrogation went. I don't think the story was fed to him 
in a way that was using the red gloves for an example. Okay. You need to say he was wearing red gloves because we have a red fiber. I don't think that's what it was. I think the red gloves are the same thing they did with the cell phones where it's like, oh, we got these red fibers on the body. He must've had something red on him. I mean, where would these red fibers come from? He was wearing, oh, he was wearing red glove. Okay. Yes. That's where it came from. Same thing with the cell phone towers. I don't think they said, so then say you went to Christie's. I think it was like, this tower location is showing that you guys were over in this part of town. What's, you know, what were you doing and who's over there? And he's like, oh, Christie's, uh, my friend Christie's over there. I, we were, well, we went to Christie's. That's right. We went to Christie's house. I think it was something like that. Whether or not Ritz, and, I think that, and I've said this in, in multiple episodes that I think that, I think there was a time when Ritz and McGillivary believed Jay. And then there was a time, I think, when they realized that this story is bullshit but I think they either did or wanted to believe, okay, well, he's not telling us the whole truth. Adnan killed. Hey, like, like, like that part's right. right. That part's right. He's not right. giving us the whole story here because when they confront Adnan, they're going, we know about the red gloves. We know about the red gloves. They wouldn't say that to him because it's not like it's a recorded interview. Like not something they're going to use later. Right. They of course didn't record the interview. I don't think they would say that to him unless they thought, well, there was probably, Jay said there was red gloves. There's probably red gloves. Right. Even though he, yeah, you know, he, didn't, he didn't know where the car was, but that can be explained away for another reason, possibly because they moved it or whatever, you know, whatever thing there was there. Because because think about that, too. Like, imagine a world again, if in this imaginary world where the police did move the car and the car wasn't where it was left, that might be a good reason why you don't ask him on the record where the car is, because, you know, it's not where it's supposed to be. And so they're certainly not surprised when Jay can't lead him to it because they know they moved it. Kay says, I never realized that Hayden and Nan would hook up in the Best Buy parking lot between the time school ended and when she picked up her cousin. Feels like this raises the likelihood that she could have had time to meet up with someone on the day of her disappearance, too. Also, I've always wondered if Baltimore County pulled Hayes' pager records during the missing persons investigation. If they handed them over to the city, we can assume they were never ultimately shared with the defense. Any chance you can put in a FOIA request to Baltimore County for their full investigative report to make sure we have everything. I believe that's been done and they never. Here's a, the, the weird thing about Hayes Pager is it's talked about by a couple of people. But a listener on the Facebook page pointed this out in the list of things they did to find Hay after the school called. What's not on the list is them paging Hay. So did her parents and brother not know she had a pager? That's interesting. Did That's very interesting. Did she not have the pager anymore? I'm trying to remember back through who all said cuz I think didn't Adnan say that he would like pager then she would then he would call like call time and then she would call him back or call whatever so that the phone wouldn't ring or something like that. Like, like there's references to people saying that they paged hey, but that got that was a good point because like certainly at the very least they didn't know she had a pager. Just something interesting to That's think about. Really, it's something from Undisclosed, too, where there was a comment about somewhere along the line, maybe Colin, someone on that show was like, did she get a page in the middle of the day? Or maybe someone said something about that. I don't know, because mm -hmm. that's kind of a long shot for Colin to just go, well, maybe she got a page. So maybe there was some indicator that she did get a page in the middle of the day when something like that. Because everyone's like, if only we could know who paged her, what was in that page? Yeah, I think that comes from... They've changed everything. I think that comes from, like, again, there's multiple people that say that she had a pager. And I, I think what Colin had said was maybe she got a... Because you have, like, you have the statements from people around her that say that she was fine, she was in a good mood, everything was fine. And then I think 
was it Debbie or somebody had said like, then at lunch, she seemed very distracted and said she was just thinking about right. Don. And then I think in another version of it, she even said that she was, because I, I corrected myself in one of the episodes. Cause I was like, oh, I said that she seemed upset at lunch. And then I reread, right. I think you pointed out to me, Janet. She it was, was quiet and maybe distracted. Yeah. Yeah. It just said that she was distracted. But then I read, there was another statement, I think by the, even by the same person, I, I want to say Debbie that did say that she was kind of upset. So I think what Colin, it's, mm-hmm. he said, I, I think, I think of the way I remember it was him saying like, what if she got a page or something during the school day? Like, and, and that's what changed her mood. And that's what, you know, when she said something came up and I have to go, I could give you a ride, but now I can't because something came up. Maybe she got a page. We would like. Yeah, that is what Colin was saying. The something came up. Yeah. Is what. Yeah. That makes more sense than just randomly wondering if maybe. Yeah. More so even than her mood changing. It was the something came up comment that I, I right. believe. I believe. Yeah. That Colin had said boy, that sure sounds like it could have been a page mm-hmm. and and what we wouldn't give to know. It's interesting that you brought it up about not knowing too, because in this time period, I had a pager that I know my dad did not know I had. Mm-hmm. My dad was very conservative and he was in that mindset of like, only drug dealers need pagers. You don't need a pager. Right. So I definitely had a pager that my dad did not know of. Yeah. And I, and I had one that I, that I know my, my parents knew about it, I think. But I'm trying to remember like how hard it was to set up an account to have one. So my parents were divorced and my mother got it for me. But my dad and like that side of my family did not know. Well, what I'm wondering about is, is does this open another door here somewhere? Or if it's like, well, if her parents didn't know about it, could she just get it herself? Or is there another adult that helped her get the pager? Like Bilal helped Adnan get the phone. I don't know. It just, it's just something to think about. But Meredith is saying in the chat right now, it makes zero sense that the police wouldn't pull her pager records if they really cared to find out what happened to her. I wonder if they hid the records from the defense. I mean, agreed. It's not like the police didn't know she had a pager. Or did they, though? Because they that, did. Well, I'm sure they did. Didn't Isn't there testimony that refers to Kay's pager? I don't know. Like, there's no interview. There's no record in any police interview with any of the of the friends or anything, no one would have thought to say, oh, by the way, she had a pager. You guys should pull those records. Like, so th- no one said that? Why do we know she had a pager at all then? I need to do some research on this, but here's a scenario. The county dealt with the family, got their information from the family for their investigations for the missing persons report. It appears if Lee's testimony is accurate, if Young's testimony is accurate, Maybe the family didn't know she had a pager and therefore the county wouldn't know she had a pager. Then it becomes a homicide and then it goes over to the city. And by the time the city, if you look at those interviews, when they interviewed Debbie, when they interviewed Becky, when they interviewed all those people, they interviewed all those people after Adnan was arrested. So they wouldn't, they absolutely wouldn't go looking for bad evidence, right? So they already have Adnan arrested. They're not going to go, especially if they know that they're the the case against him is all bullshit, the last thing they want to do is, and I mentioned in this episode too, we talk about Stephanie in this episode, how Stephanie never, never testifies. Same thing. Why wouldn't Stephanie testify? Well, did Stephanie say something that they're like, Oh, like maybe Stephanie mentioned that and speculating, maybe Stephanie mentioned Jay talking to the police before he was supposed to talk to the police or anything like that. They're not going to go look for bad evidence. So the County, if, their source of information, as we as we know it to be, was the family, and the family didn't know she had a pager. And then the city, when they're investigating, they don't talk to any of the people that knew she had a pager until after Adnan was arrested. They're not going to look either. 
Inlet. Well, especially not if they have his cell records and it's not help. Oh, Nick, I just saw your comment. If they have the cell records and they see, well, we know Adnan didn't pay Che. So then it's like, that's not helpful. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And that's that is bad evidence because you already know that Adnan didn't pay her. So you're like, well, but God, that seems like an oversight, even for and no other reason than just crossing things off for the defense not to attack you over. You know what I mean? Like the the seller's thing is dangling out there. If you believe that, you know, they needed to just tie up that loose end, at least they tied up the loose end so that they could then say, well, no one can accuse us of not giving him a second polygraph. We gave it to him and he passed. No one can accuse us of not pulling her pager records. But it's like Nick said in the ch- in the chat, it was never going to help them. It could only hurt them because they had Adnan cell phone records. So they 100 percent knew that Adnan did not page Hay. So by pulling the pager records, the only information they can get out of that is that someone else called paged Hay, which opens a door, doesn't tie up a loose end. It makes it it could only make their case worse. If they if they know for a fact Adnan did not contact her, then pulling those records can only either be neutral or make their case worse. And there's nothing we've seen in any of the files that references a police's the police's attempt to do that in any way, nope. shape, or form. There's just no indicator. That, that would happen. And and the defense didn't ever during the trial. No one said, why didn't you pull the pager records? Like, well, we've got you on the stand. Why didn't you pull the pager records? Th- that's, that seems like a big deal. That's that's what I need to go back and check, because I don't know if that was brought up, because what it looks like on paper is that it was an oversight like these bumbling idiots. Why wouldn't they pull her records? But again, if you're one of us crazy conspiracy theorists that thinks that Ritz and McGillivary by the end, knew that Adnan was innocent and they knew the case was bullshit, then it wasn't an oversight at all. There was no way they were, because imagine they arrest Adnan and they do, and then all of a sudden you, you see numbers on that pager during school, right after school, that bring in a whole other suspect. But they've already got their case closed. And it's already pretty clear they don't give a shit if they get the right person. They just need to close their case. Forget this case. Look at the other cases they were caught in. They don't care. I mean, they literally had people telling them someone else did it but they went with the person they told to say this person did it because they didn't care. They had it was easier for them to close the case with a direct witness pointing the finger than it was to do any actual police work. So, God, that's so depressing. I, I think it is more indication. I don't think I don't think they're dumb enough to have not pulled those records to get a clearer picture of it. I think they didn't pull the records because they said it's, it's a no win for them. At best, it's neutral. At worst, it ruins their case. Or brings in a whole nother suspect that's going to give the defense something to fight about. It's just incredibly depressing. Shannon says, this is just a general question. If the state were to retry Adnan, are they allowed to change all of their theories of the case? I'm I'm realizing to undisclose and just realize the prosecution said Adnan was driving Hayes' car when she was killed. I know there are a million crazy things the state presented, but what? Yeah, so... If Adnan is retried, it starts from scratch. It's as though the first trial never happened. So they can completely, they would have to. First of all, I want to assure everyone. They can, they can never, they can never retry. They could never, ever, ever retry never. Adnan. If, if if the Supreme Court of Maryland upholds the conviction being overturned, Adnan will never be retried. First of all, I don't think you'll ever get Jay to testify again. Second of all, if Jay testified, he would be destroyed because every, like all these things, think about like, the timing, you know, all the, all the stuff that I've done during the reply brief about like the timing and the the cell records, that is all that stuff that the, that the defense never attempted to do back in 2000, but they sure as hell would do it now. 
like all of these things would just completely fall apart. The, the come get me call, all that stuff. So if they tried them again, they would have to come up with a completely different theory of the case because the one that they, that, that they put forward is easily provably false. Brian says, do we have an approximate date for when the Maryland Supreme Court will issue its decision on Hayes Brothers' appeal? No, you never do. I mean, it could be tomorrow. It could be six months from now. You just never know. Well, in the meantime, we have another episode coming from you, but not next week. Is that, I take it that was the last question? Is that, is that you closing the show? You didn't think that was smooth? <laughs> that was great. That's one of the best closings I've ever heard. With that, is Janet so elegantly elegant and i there i mucked it up even worse I'm both elegant and eloquent both of those fine. things all at the same time as you put it we want to we want to thank you guys all for listening it's been it's been an, this has been an interesting year going through all of this with the, the transition of cases and the missing person cases and then into the reply brief none of this was planned everything's been crazy you know as you know the the industry took a big hit early this spring and so many of you guys stepped up and joined the patreon and kept the show going like we're literally are still here doing this every week because of all of your your support we appreciate you guys so much and so uh i just want to to close out the year just want to thank all of you guys for everything you've done whether whether that's you just tuning in and listening every week and, and and helping us stay engaged or if you're in our patreon community donating and helping helping fund the show all of you are helping fund the show I just want to I want to thank all of you guys for your engagement and your support. I hope all of you have a wonderful holiday season, however you celebrate it. And if you don't celebrate it, then I just hope you have a good week. December 30th will be our next episode, the next main episode. So with all of that said, after Janet mucked it up and I mucked it up worse, that's a perfect way to end our not quite our year. I guess it's coming on the 30th, but close enough. Thanks, everybody. We love you. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com design, created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnik, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. 
Keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. <laughs>